This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. All right, I've been, I've been trying to get this sermon to preach for like two months. And so I've been excited about this message. I hope that it makes sense to you. It appeals to the nerdy side of my nature. Can I say that, all right? I like to find out why things say what they say. All right, Uh, let's pray, and then we're going to dive in the Word together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Word, God. Reveal to us what it is you're trying to show us. Reveal it and reveal it now, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 19, we're going to start in verse number 11. Verse number 11 says this, Then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning. But Michal, David's wife, warned him. Now that's how you say this, not Michael. It, does, it misses that, that uh, constant. It's macaw, like as in a macaw, uh, almost like a macaw. Uh, birds, how you would say that, but macaw. David's wife warned him, if you don't escape tonight, you'll be dead by morning. So she helped him climb out through a window, and he fled. Now here's what I want you to notice. Then she took an idol and put it in his bed. I mean, you know, the, one of the things God's working on is what idols we've got in our houses. She took an idol and put it in his bed, covered it with blankets, and put a cushion of goat's hair at its head. And when the troops came to arrest David, she told them he was sick and couldn't get out of bed. But Saul sent the troops back to get David, and he ordered them, bring him to me, in his bed so I can kill him. But when they came to carry David out, they discovered that it was only an idol in the bed. An idol, what? An idol in the bed with a cushion of goat's hair at its head. And the Lord bless his word. Now before we start finding out what application this has for me, uh, for us today, let me just give you this context of the time period this is written in. What we're going to discover is that something uh, extremely grotesque, but extremely practical to our lives where we are in our society today. Now this passage is an excerpt from a seven to eight year period of time where King Saul and King David are at a struggle and King Saul is trying to kill David. Okay, Because King Saul knows that David has been chosen to become the next king. And Saul is desperately trying to hang on to something that he's already lost. Listen to that. He's trying to hang on to something that he's already lost. You see, God had already told Saul, your kingdom is finished. Why? Because you were willing to compromise. Because you allowed compromise to come into your life You are going to lose what I have given you. Now, hold on to that. 
Here's the truth. You see, he was willing to compromise to hold on to something he didn't earn and obviously couldn't handle because he wanted what it brought to him. All that Saul knew is that nobody knew who he was before he became king. He was just a too tall kid from a little town across the way that nobody knew who he was and he had now become king and had reigned for many years at this point and he is desperate not to go back to obscurity. But eventually, it cost him everything. It cost him everything. And I didn't mean to bring this out at this point, but it just jumped into my spirit. And, and I'm just going to, since it's just us this morning, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share this with you briefly. We've seen a ministry recently that I believe was truly from God. I really believe it was from God. But when the ministry took a shift, a man decided that he would help out and carry on and deceive people so that when the, when the miracle stopped, he wanted it to keep going, quote, because he didn't want to go back to obscurity. You see, this kind of a problem still exists in our world today. We will compromise our integrity to hold on to what we think defines us. We will compromise who we are. And listen to me very carefully. We should not compromise our character to hold on to images of our own glory. This is important. If you have to compromise your character, if you have to tell a lie to make yourself look better than you are, there's a problem. If you have to inflate so that your ego can set and rest upon that, there's a problem. This is making sense to anybody today. If you've got to you got to lie to get the cred that you think you need. That's important that you understand this is not God's plan for your life. Now our text today picks up in Saul's pursuit of David. His hope was that if somehow he killed David, that that then would reverse the, the, what was happening in his life and establish his crown forever. You see, when you're after your own image, you'll be always willing to destroy someone else's to make you look better. And if you have to describe how bad somebody else is, it's like I always say there's, there, there's a couple different kind of builders, all right? You call out somebody to your house, and, and you're going to have them wire something or build something or, or paint something or whatever it is. If they walk into you and they say, hmm, we can fix that, I can make this look good for you, and they start painting a picture of what it can be, that's probably the builder you want. But if they show up and they say, well, listen, I don't know who did this last job for you, but, but they obviously didn't know what they were doing. And they start tearing down the guy before them, trying to make them look like your savior, that's the one you don't want. Because they're inflating themselves trying to get the opportunity. What they ought to do is come in and show you what they can do for you instead of telling you why everybody else is wrong. You see, that, 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 that still exists in our world today. And so what, what Saul is thinking is, if I, can, if I can destroy David's chance, maybe I can hold on. Now, this passage we're going to talk about today, I've always had a problem with this text. I've always struggled with this text because of what is implied against other scriptures. 
But the reality is once we peel back a layer on the translation, we realize that there's a lack of clarity in the original translation. A revelation that reveals something about the character of David. How many of you have ever heard it said, a girl marries a man just like her daddy? How many of you just know that's not true? Come on now, amen. (laughs) But a girl marries a man just like her father. When one looks a little deeper at this passage, we'll see that David is also struggling with identity issues that are keeping him fighting to never going back to the forgotten son who wasn't invited to dinner. You see, let me show you what we find. Now remember, we're not talking about some modern society, but rather about a group of tribal warlords 3,000 years ago. This is a grotesque society, okay? It's a brutal society. I mean, they go and cut off body parts as, as payment for things, okay? This is a rough, rough culture. And here's what is said that causes me a problem that I can't get in with this passage, okay? And this passage is talking about David having a household idol, but the Scripture tells us that David, over in Acts chapter 13, that David, in verse 22, says this, After removing Saul, uh, he made David their king. God testified, this is the words of God, saying, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. God says about a man who's got an idol in his house, hey, he's a guy I like. He's just like me. He thinks like me. He's got a heart like I have. Now, he has many great qualities that we should all strive for that made him a man after God's own heart. Let me just give these to you quickly. He was humble. He never built up himself. He was reverent. He said, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies, Psalms 18.3. He was trusting. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He trusted in God, Psalms 27 and 1. He was loving. I love you, O Lord, my strength, Psalms 18.1. He was devoted. You have filled my heart with greater joy. These are all characteristics that we, we find of God. He says, you fill my heart with greater joy than with their grain and, and, and new wine abound. He gave proper recognition to where it was deserved. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders, Psalms 9 and 1. He was faithful. He said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I, you can count on it. I'm going to dwell in the house of God forever. Psalms 23 and 6. He was repentant. In Psalms 25, 11, for the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquities, though they are great. Why does this man of God who has a heart of, of humility and, and faithfulness and de- dedication and all these other things, he's loving. And God says, yep, that's my kind of guy right there. How can a man of God who's God's kind of guy have a household idol to worship. That's what I struggled with. Over and over again, I've struggled with how do you have a household idol to worship? The answer is short. The reason that he had a household idol in his house was to remind him of his own past glory. Let me show you how to peel back uh, that, that initial layer. Let's look at verse 13 for just a moment. Now, 
in verse 13 for just a moment. Then she took an idol and she put it in his bed, all right, covered it with blankets and put a cushion of goat's hair at its head. Now listen, it should say, then she took an idol and in a parenthesis, there's a B there, okay? Then she took an idol, parenthesis, can we do that? There's a B there. Let, let, let's just show them how we fix things right here. And they have, they thought I had a typo. Are we there? Okay, see that. Now you see that B? The B needs to be there. All right. Now watch this. Then she took an idol, and you see a, a small tab there, as it were, that has a B in it. That B says, okay. Now there's a reference, there's something wrong here, or something more I need to see. There's a reference that at the bottom of the page, or if you're online, you click the hyperlink there, and that B is going to take you to something that's not clear from this passage. And we understand that it's talking about an idol, and the word there that's not given to us clearly is the word idol. And so when I click that, it's going to take me to a thing that is supposed to say footnotes. There's supposed to be a thing that says footnotes. B. Footnotes. B. Chapter 19, verse 13, that tells me, okay, this is where it's coming from. And I'm also going to find this in chapter 19, verse 16. And so the Hebrew there is teraphim, which we're not ready for that yet. That, that's not in there. So it's telling me there's a word there in Hebrew that better we need to figure out what it really means because I've had this huge problem with this passage because how can a man be after the heart of God but yet bow down to idols and worship them? Anybody ever questioned that before maybe? I mean, I'm going, I mean, think about that. And so the word here is teraphim. And so when I see that footnotes, and I see that B and that, that 1913 Hebrew teraphim semicolon also. I mean, it's all there. I, I was going to show you all of that. Uh, uh, and then I'm realizing that, okay, there's a word here, teraphim, I don't understand. And teraphim is a mummified head, okay? It's a mummified head that was plated with metal, Okay? It's a head that's covered in metal and hung on the wall of one's home. Now, how many, I told you it was a little gross, right? So they took a mummified head, covered it in a shiny metal, and put it upon the wall of one's home, and they believed that because of whatever significance this head was to that family, that, that from its mouth would come, watch this, oracles instructions, definitions for that family about where they were, okay? They actually found many of these in Samaria, teraphims, mummified heads. Now, this is important. Somebody goes, what does this have to do with anything? Why is this important? Well, if anything, you've got, I'm showing you how to study the Bible today, okay? So, if I, if, if, if then I see that in this mummified head, 
that tells me who I am. I want you to stay with me a moment because this makes more sense to me than a man that God honored having an idol in his house to worship. What we have is a teraphim, some kind of a wall hanging, a mount on the wall, as it were, that speaks to him about something from his past that can make him feel better about his present. Stay with me. You're still having trouble with this. This is no different than an Emmy or an Oscar sitting on the mantle. Maybe no different than a fish or an animal head hanging on the wall. This is no different to the shrine to your glory days when you used to play football. You're 65 years old and still have your peewee little league trophy sitting on the, cat, on the wall. Come on, amen. And you're allowing that to define who you are. You're allowing it to tell you something from your past a shrine from your past to tell you who you are. So think about this. There's a teraphim, a mummified head, where David would have acquired a large enough head that when it was mummified, it would be big enough to put in a bed and somebody actually think it was him. Where would David have gotten a large enough head uh, I mean, I'm having to think about this. Uh, David needed a head. Uh, oh, 1 Samuel 18:51 uh, says, Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to cut off Goliath's own head. So then he takes it and buries it in the arid climate. At some point, he goes back and digs it back up after it's mummified, plates it in metal, and takes it home and hangs it on the wall. How many are grossed out at this point? Anybody? Yeah, totally grossed out at this point. You see, why would he have done that? Because, watch this, when he had felt forsaken, he could sit there and stare at the reminder of his glory days. When he had felt the inferior, he could sit there and look at the size of the teraphim on his wall and say nobody else has one of those like that on their wall. He could judge himself against others by this past marker of his own glory. Are you with me? Not Some of you are going, Pastor, would you just finish the sermon? I'm trying to get there. If you act like you're getting it, I'll get there faster. Amen. All right, watch this now. When he felt worthless, he would stare at the face that he had stared down to become somebody. And he'd say, you know what? I am somebody because I beat that. I am somebody because of that. Now listen to me carefully. The problem was he was finding his identity in the wrong place. He was finding his identity in this wrong place. Why? Because I just feel this in my spirit. Let's just say I'm going to sit it over here on the wall and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about the hardest things I've ever been through or the roughest times I've ever been through and I'm staring them down and so I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you know what? I am somebody. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I am somebody. Can I, but, but, but I'm looking at the wrong direction because what I'm doing when I'm looking at that is I'm looking back to my past and when I'm looking back to my past, the problem is my past is in my past. 
past. And I don't need something in my past that tries to dictate my present because my past can never get into my present. Now watch this now. And so I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it and this thing is speaking into my life. Oh, you are somebody. And and it's something that I succeeded with. And can I tell you, as long as I'm sitting there staring at that, I might feel better about myself. But let me fall. Let me struggle. And then I come, oh my goodness, I'm nothing but a failure. I've blown it. I messed up. And and, and then I got to come back and I got to stare at that thing for a little while and build myself back up and build myself back up. And Can I just pick on you guys for a moment because I missed you for uh, about six, seven weeks here. Are you ready for this? You see, if that's your sobriety hanging on the wall and you're sitting over there and you got a waypoint certificate on the wall and you're going, look what I did. I lived with those stinky guys for a year. Come on now. I lived up there and I went through all that for a year. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. The next time somebody rolls over you with a steamroller and you don't make perfection, you're going to go back and that thing's going to begin to speak of a failure against you and saying that's just a fraud. You don't really measure up to that. And so that teraphim that once built you up begins to condemn you now. Are you following me? And so the thing is, I began to worship what I have done. But what I've got to do is put that away and leave it behind me. And instead of worshiping what I've done, because I will fall, I will fail. i got to realize who I am in Jesus Christ. And when I realize who I am in Jesus Christ, that never changes and it never stops. And no matter where I am, it's always in my present and waiting for me in my future because it changed my past, but it's always with me. Am I making sense today? This is important. You see, the problem is that he had began to listen to his own accolades and allow them to define him. But who helped him win the battle in the first place? The promise of God that was within him. You might come to me with spear and a sword. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. It's the promise of God. He knew, my goodness, can I just tell you, I'm, I'm going to try to behave right here. But, but, but he knew that he had been anointed to become king. And he had been chosen by God to get somewhere he had not gotten to yet. Can I tell you that as long as the promise of God was within him, the giant would have to fall in front of him because God had done something in him that was not fulfilled yet. I'm still standing. I'm still waiting. I'm still walking. God's going to restore what the enemy has taken from us. God's going to give back better days. There's anointing coming. There's purpose coming. Why? Because God spoke it into our lives. Amen. Why don't you just give God some praise today? All right, Pastor, what does this really do for me? During this season in our world, we're being forced to abandon our identity markers. Pastors have had to learn to preach. They've all called and go, I just can't preach without the people responding. I understand. But I said, guys, you've got to reach through that camera and minister to people. But God was ripping things away. Ripping things away that we found as our identity markers. Because if nobody responded, then maybe it wasn't a word from God. Can I tell you what I know is a word from God? I love it when people say, man, don't you know that? 
I love those things, but I don't go home and curl up because I didn't get enough amens. I go home and curl up for two, one or two reasons. If, if nobody got saved or if I feel like I didn't really obey God. I learned a long time ago that it's better to obey God and not hear a single amen than to give people what they want and the room shout you down. You obey the Lord. You see, I had to encourage these pastors, break your messages down to the heart level of what you're trying to say. See, others are not able to have their identity markers either. They're not able to meet the quotas that have defined them. They're not permitted to play off the team dynamic that drives them. And facing the fears of losing their trophies or their own glory. I mean, you know, if I don't make my quota, then I might lose my car. If I don't make my quota, I might lose the boat that defines me or the house that, that, that confines me. Think about that. And I don't know why I felt to put this one in there, but the yard. So many people, if their yard's not perfect. My brother told me a long time ago, he said, I'll tell you how to have a great yard. And I said, how? He said, don't care if it's great or not. He said, if you learn to hate grass, it'll grow everywhere. You see, folks, I want you to get this. When we allow what we have accomplished to define us, we are doing nothing more than carrying around a talking head. Truth. When you allow where you've been, And you can't see where God's trying to take you because you're so caught up in who you used to be. You know what? I don't know why God... I think God saved this message for two months so I could bring it with you guys here. I've been at this, you know, through many, many years now of groups that have come through. There's always that one guy who has to tell you every time, well, I used to make... Thousand dollars a day selling this stuff. Y'all heard somebody talk like that before? Yeah. Because he has to glory in his past. Try to justify his present. Why would we glory in a failure that almost destroyed us? And destroyed others? That needs to become what it is. uh, Refuse or garbage of our past that's under the blood of Jesus Christ, that's not a talking head that says, oh, I can get back where I'm making that kind of money. No, 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 no. I am who I am because of Christ. And now I might not have the wad of cash in my pocket that I used to have, but I have the joy of the Lord in my soul. And my every need is met because of his riches and glory. Are you understanding me? See, what y'all think is I'm just picking y'all out. You don't know how many of these folks used to be over here. You see, driving that car, selling that boat, showing off that house is just nothing but a talking head. Truth. I remember I was in one country and they invited me to one of the main government cabinet members' houses. And I, I come up on this huge fenced house, gorgeous home. I was so excited to get inside because I mean, it, I was like, wow, I'm, I mean, this is... This is a true mansion. 
And they walked me through the door, and when I walked through the door, I immediately realized that what was shown on the outside didn't measure up to what was the reality on the inside. They were paying all their money for the talking head and sleeping on newspapers because they couldn't afford a bed. But he had to have the look because he was allowing something of this world to define him. It would be better for your wisdom and your character to make room for you than for some image that could be taken away with an economic downturn. See, nothing should define us but the promise of God within us. And when we worship our personal victories, we will be in danger of compromising the destiny within us to hold on to the past glory that defines us. Now, when we worship our personal victories, we are looking for fulfillment within our own abilities instead of resting in the grace of being a child of God. Here is God's promise for you. God's promise for you. God's promise within us must become our agent of advancement. Here it is. His love is unconditional. He knows you and still loves you. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. So when the devil says, God can't love you now, he goes, no, no. He, <laughs> he knew me when he chose me. How about this promise? You are never alone. You are never alone. And when this one came up, I said, Lord, I don't want to put that in there just because it's timely for the hour and then I realized timely for the hour might be the time we need the promise we are headed toward better we are headed toward better well Pastor Don and people all around the world go through sufferings you know we've been inconvenienced no 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 you're still identifying yourself by the world what gave them the joy of singing songs like when we all get over yonder? Some glad morning when the dead in Christ shall rise. I'll fly away. You see, there's joy waiting on yonder shore. There's a heaven ahead of us because a God who loves us unconditionally knows who we are. He has never walked away from us. And because of that truth, there is better ahead of us. And I can begin to live in the de being defined by that more so than the talking heads of this world. Because some heads that you set up to build you up now tear you down. But there is one whose name is Jesus who speaks promises over you. Would you bow your heads with me? You are good. You are faithful. You are just. Thank you, Lord, that as we gather, you're speaking to Lord, we've allowed the wrong things to define us. 
We're not in competition with our families or our neighbors. We're not in competition on our jobs. Lord, we are children of promise. And if we will guard our character, the promise of God will lead our path. Speak to us clearly. I don't know who all this is, but if you've got some unconfessed sin in your life, now's the time to confess that. Now's the moment. This is the time. This is your moment to say, okay, God, forgive me. Cleanse me. Help me to be what you want me to be. This is it. This is the moment. This is the time. Somebody's been trying to let something go. You need to leave that talking head behind you. It doesn't matter what level of success or failure. It's going to be in your past. Because the promise of God is in your present. Right now. Right now. This is it. I'm going to close this service. You know, Pastor Don, this is the time you're supposed to ask us to raise our hands. Pastor Danny's going to come and he's going to give us some announcements. Before I pray this last prayer, I want you to listen to me carefully. Lay it down. Lay whatever you've allowed to define you down. Stop feeling like, if you feel like you're constantly at war with everyone around you, I'm talking to you. Lay it down. Father, I thank you that the war that rages of compromise within us ceases and the character that holds on to the promise of God for us arises. Make us your children. We confess that Jesus is our Lord. God is our Father and heaven is our home. Lord, we're going to live like it. Because that's what defines us. In Jesus' name. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.